Welcome to Wealthy Behavior, talking money and wealth with Heritage Financial, the podcast that digs into topics, strategies, and behaviors that help busy, successful people build and protect their personal wealth. I'm your host, Sammy Azuz, the president of Heritage Financial, a Boston-based wealth management firm working with business owners, executives, and retirees for longer than 25 years. Now let's talk about the wealthy behaviors that are key to a rich life. Welcome to the January Investment Edition of the Wealthy Behavior Podcast, where I talk to Heritage Financial's Chief Investment Officer, Bob Weiss, about what's going on in the markets and the investment universe right now. And with us closing the books on a somewhat forgettable 2022 for investors, Bob and I thought a good way to kick it off is recapping what happened last year, what it means this year for investors, and what investors may be on the lookout for in 2023. So, Bob, welcome to another edition of Wealthy Behavior. Thank you, Sammy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I feel like I haven't talked to you since last year. But that joke never got to That's a great dad joke. (laughs) Anyway, I've got a full uh, list of them. Don't get me started. Uh, Bob, what happened last year in the markets? As you look at it, how are you thinking of it? What are you explaining to people? Yeah, so last year, the, the story was inflation. Um, we started the year and inflation wasn't really on people's radars as a top concern. Um, it was transitory, according to the Fed. And then early in the year, we had, we had some high prints and, and we were kind of off to the races as far as inflation is, is the number one issue. The Fed was aggressive, raised rates a bunch of times, taking the Fed funds rate up to four and a half percent from uh, zero. And um, as a result, the bond market sold off. Bonds were down about 12% for the year and stocks were down about 20%. So very tough year for investors with both stocks and bonds um, declining double digits. So that, that's the, the quick um, you know, recap of 2022. So then you know, w- what's happening in 2023? And I think a theme that we're seeing now is, is the the view is changing from the inflation watch to the recession watch. So the Fed got aggressive, raised rates to combat inflation. We think they're going to win that battle. And the question is, will they send the economy into recession in 2023? And a lot of indicators are, are pointing towards yes. So that's what we're looking at closely. So digging into uh, 2022 a little bit more, Bob, before uh, getting into some more recession talk, Stocks are down 20 plus percent, depending on what market you look at. I think long-time investors are used to that. They know that the great long-term return comes with comes with years like the one that we had. I would say bond investors or, or investors in general, maybe not expecting 12% declines in, in bonds. How rare is that? What kind of a kind of an anomaly was that in 2022? What what drove it and you know, kind of any context for, for people who are invested in fixed income in, in 2022? Yeah, I mean, simply put, it's the worst year in history for bond investors. Uh, I've seen you know, back tests where they try and calculate what the bond market would have returned going back hundreds of years, and you don't get a minus uh, 12% return for investment grade bonds in a calendar year. Um, what happened in 2022, you had rising rates, rates going up, by about 4%. Um, and in addition to that, your, your starting yield was near zero. So in you know, some people, um, more experienced investors, you know, would say, well, in the 70s, rates went up 4%. Yeah, but at that time, you're you were clipping a 10% coupon while they were going up four. Um, this time, you weren't cu- clipping a coupon to begin with. So the price action really hits you with a price decline, and there was really no yield cushion. 
Um, so in historical context, it, it was the worst year ever for bond investors. So there are two sources of returns with with bonds, the yield, you, the, the interest rate, the, the coupon, and the price movement. And last year, prices went down and yield started off at zero. So you had nothing to kind of offset the price decline. Correct. And now we're much better positioned um, as bond investors where yields are in treasuries, yields are 4%. And you don't have to take too much credit risk to get yields in the fives or sixes. So now you're clipping that four, five, six percent yield, which gives you a great cushion. Um, so that rates can move, say, one percent, and you you break even for the year. So me mechanically, what caused prices to decline last year, Bob? It's the Fed raising rates. So the Fed raises the, the Fed funds rates, and the market adjusts because now, when the Fed fund rate is in the range of four and a quarter to four and a half, if you can buy a T bill at four and a half, you're not going to buy a ten-year Treasury at two percent. So the market just um, supply and demand investors say, well, I'm not buying it at 2%. I'm not buying it at 3%. I'm not buying it at three, three and a half. But okay, 3.75, that, that's you know where it is. And, that, and that's how the yields move up. So when yields are going up, the market will reset prices on lower yielding bonds to make them as attractive as you know newer issues, basically. Exactly. Could that happen again in 2023? Yeah, definitely. Um, it can right now, the market's expecting the Fed to get the Fed funds rate to 5% by May, I believe, and um, peak there. So we're in the four and a quarter to five range. And um, do they do two more 25 basis point increases um, in the first half of 2023? You get to five and then um, eventually see cuts. That's, I think, what is about priced in. Um, if they need to do more than that, then we would likely see higher rates. So, you know, in the past, when investors have owned both stocks and bonds, they had the hope or the expectation that in ugly years when stocks won't do well or didn't do well, there'd be a flight to quality and people would buy bonds. That didn't happen last year because there was no yield in those bonds or what, what was not causing, you know, the, the flight to quality uh, to improve fixed income prices. Yeah, it's, it's more um, bonds were the, the story and stocks went down because of bonds um, might be a way of putting it in 2022. Um, inflation was high. So Fed raised rates sell off in bonds and then um, that spreads to stocks because stock investors, there's an acronym, um, TINA, there is no alternative. When bonds yield nothing, then you, you have to invest in stocks. Um, there's no alternative. But when... Um, bonds yield four and a half percent, all of a sudden, oh, it's interesting. Maybe I'm not going to pay 30 times earnings for stocks. Maybe I'll pay 20 times. And you just, and stocks go down 33% when you, when you do that math. So it, it's um, one thing we say with investing, it's all relative. There's a lot of different asset classes out there, a lot of ways to invest and it's all relative. You'll, you line them all up and you, you invest in what's relatively attractive. And as bond yields have gone up, stock prices need to come down to adjust. Uh, to, to but, earn their keep. Sorry. So that was a factor in why stocks struggled in 2022. Do you think it was the predominant factor or do you think recession and slowdown fears drove investors maybe more to, to take some profits a, a, after you know a pretty nice stretch? Yeah, I think a, a combination. So one, the it's all relative bond yields going up, two, recession fears, and then three, um, call it animal spirits, um, euphoria, there was some um, exuberance 
in the economy. Um, you know, cryptocurrency is at the center of it. Um, people buying, you know, trillions of dollars of value of crypto that has no value, no intrinsic value. And um, in the stock market, closest equivalent is like, um, you know, companies worth tens or hundreds of billions of dollars that aren't profitable, aren't making any money. So that's the area that got hit the most in the stock market. Um, SPACs, the special purpose acquisition vehicles, um, um, seeing those go down. So areas in the market where that exuberance carried over, that's that's really um, gone down a lot too. So the, the three things I was saying there, the, the, the tie to bonds um, being one, two recession fears, and three, just some of the exuberance deflating out of markets. Great. Thanks, Bob, for that recap of last year. And I know you were getting started and talking about what to expect in 2023 and that the themes maybe have flipped from inflation to recession watch. Yeah. Yeah. So something we've been we watching, um, we've talked about this many times is the, but not in too much detail, the uh, leading economic indicators produced by the, uh, the conference board. And um, there are all kinds of economic data points um, that come out and some are leading, some are lagging, some are coinciding. The leading ones are the most interesting because that's kind of telling you what's in the future. And the leading composite has been negative now for nine months in a row. It peaked in February and every month since it's been a decline. And this data goes back to 1960. And you don't see nine months in a row of negative leading economic indicators without a recession that's nearly imminent. So it's a pretty telling sign, um, you know, to be looking at 60 years of data and not seeing this pattern happen without a recession. Um, and then you, you step back and, and not just, you know, sometimes you look at data points and it's like, well, if the NFC wins the Super Bowl, it's a good year for stocks. It's like, okay, that's a coincidence. It's meaningless. But is this just a coincidence or does the, does it actually mean something? And so when you look under the hood, um, like in the last month's print for the LEI, the biggest detractor was um, average consumer expectations for business conditions. So they do a survey um, of consumers and say, what are you expecting for business conditions? And it came back pretty negative. So you think about that. If people are saying, you know, well, I think things are going to be bad. Well, how are they going to behave? And that's how you get recessionary behavior. Um, another one is building permits. Building permits are down. Um, that was a detractor. So when building permits are low, that means no new construction, means there aren't going to be construction jobs in the coming months because it takes time from when you file a permit to when the actual work gets done. So you can see these things aren't just, you know, random noise that coincides with a, a recession. It, it's actually meaningful data, which is why people look at it. And um, I think that's why a lot of the big banks are calling for recessions in 2023. Um, and it, it's something we're watching closely. Well, and you've been calling for it for a while as well. So what could that mean for investors? Great question. So the the the, the main thing that we've done in this regard is um, we've changed, we've made some big changes in fixed income. So we rebalanced our fixed income portfolio and added about a 20% allocation to intermediate term US Treasury bonds. This is where, we, when you said at the opening, typically investors are risk on, risk off, and we'll, we'll um, sell stocks and buy bonds. In an inflationary environment, bonds aren't attractive, but in a recession, um, the one that could be coming, 
it would be more deflationary, where the Fed puts us in a deflationary environment trying to pop the inflation bubble. That would be good for treasuries. So we think the best place to be would be in intermediate to long-term treasury bonds because yields would eventually fall. That investors would sell their stocks, they'd be looking at bonds, inflation wouldn't be a concern. So we really tightened up the quality of our fixed income and just getting pure treasury exposure. So, um, and in doing so, we're getting about a 4% yield. So when you look at ways to get defensive, um, one thing that's very difficult to do with market timing stocks to get out of stock, use an extreme, get out of stocks and go to cash. There's a huge opportunity cost there on average over time. So, you know, stocks do about 8% better than cash and um, to time that right's very difficult, but to hold treasuries that you're getting a 4% yield on, um, you know, in lieu of more credit sensitive bonds, that's something where we feel like we're not sacrificing much of anything. We're getting a very acceptable yield and they'll be there um, to get some price appreciation and, um, you know, opportunities for rebalancing if things go, get bad in 2023. Great. And then the fear with stocks, if we enter a recession, you and I were talking about is that earnings expectations, even after the 20 to 25% sell-off we had last year, earnings expectations may still be too high and the market may be pricing in earnings that are too high. And now that's kind of a scary proposition to plan around or make an overly bearish call for, because I think it does still depend on whether we get into a recession or not. I think you and I both are, are more comfortable thinking that we will, but the depth of the, you know, how, how extensive it is um, would impact directly how much corporate earnings would be hit. So there's a fear out there that maybe corporate earnings expectations are too high, but there's not a ton you can do about it, if I kind of could summarize that in layman's terms. Yeah, you, you said, said that well. Um, we wrote a, a blog post about this. The average recession sees earnings decline by about 25%. And right now, analyst estimates are, I think, about flat. Like the, That's nowhere near um, expected to see that big of a EPS decline in 2023. So the, there is risk to the downside, but that does go hand in hand with investing. One thing that we look at is if you rewind the tape and, and go back a year going into 2022, um, we, we talked about this extensively a year and two years ago, there's a big spread between value and growth stocks um, that their growth companies, and I mentioned this a little bit too, trading at, at crazy valuations. I think our first podcast was actually on the FANGs, was on this yeah. topic. That's where yeah. we kicked it off, talking about US tech and how expensive um, the FANGs were. Meanwhile, value stocks were about average. Uh, emerging market stocks were about average. Foreign stocks were average, and U.S. tech was expensive. Everything's come down. In aggregate, when everything comes down, you still have some of the growth areas of the market not stand out as really attractive right now, still a little expensive, um, which means there's more room to go down on the growth side. But value that started as is reasonably priced, then went down 15 to 20%. Um, we think there are some bargains out there, and you're especially seeing it overseas. We started talking about um, emerging markets in China in particular, I think a couple episodes ago. Sure. And um, China's really turned. I, so I think in Q4, China was up uh, 15 to 20%. Hmm. So um, Chinese markets moving at, I mean, we're two businesses in 2023, and I think Chinese stock markets are already up about 5% this year. 
So I think that there, you know, there's a saying, there's always a bull market somewhere and it's just not as simple as, oh, we're in a recession. It's going to be a bad year for stocks. So that's where, you know, being value investors, looking at some of these markets that were, were reasonably valued to begin with, went down with everything else in 2022. It's a good place to have an allocation and, and don't try and, and be too cute. And Bob, you know, because I've been looking at some of those numbers as well, and I saw something of a performance spread between value and growth, the Russell 3000 value versus the Russell 3000 growth. It was about a 20 difference between the two indices. Can you just take two seconds to explain what the what each benchmark is and, and what that 20% difference signifies in your mind? So if, if you take the market and simplify but cut it in half and um, use um, price to book so book looking at the balance sheet um, and rank the companies so companies that have a, a strong balance sheet um, that half is the cheaper half is value the more expensive half is growth and you can also use like income statement measures like price to earnings so companies that trade at a very high price relative to earnings that's growth a low price relative to earnings that's value and it's it's the investor's polite way of calling um, expensive companies growth because you you pay a premium because you think it's going to grow, sure. and value companies cheap. Um, it's a good value because it's cheap. And um, what we saw last year, um, you said it was about a twenty percent spread between value and growth. So the value basket did about twenty percent better than the growth basket, which um, is a, a very big spread. But there's still um, you know, cheaper than average. So I think there's still um, room to run for that outperformance. Got it. Thanks for the explanation, Bob. I appreciate that. I don't want to maybe put you on the spot with this, but if everybody's been talking about a recession, including you and me, not that I would say the whole world's listening to, to you and me, and Fed has raised rates, we've had an inverted yield curve. There's just been a lot of signals. We know that the Fed wants to slow things down. Inflation was out of control. Why haven't we seen stronger signs of a recession yet? Yeah, it's the, the economy has remained strong and the jobs markets remain strong. Um, there's, I think the number is 1.8 jobs per unemployed person. You know, it, it's it's strong. We've seen some companies announce like big layoffs. It's been a strong economy. Uh, monetary policy, you hear Powell always says that it has lags. It has a lagged effect. So they raise rates and it takes time to trickle through. Um, but, it, you know, these, like I said, the leading economic indicators at month nine of being negative, this has um, been pointing, you know, flashing red for a little while now, longer than normal. It, it is tough to, um, I guess, explain other than there's a lot of, Money still out there, and um, the, the economy is still performing, and that can continue. And I think a lesson from it is to not overreact to these things, to not um, you know be trying to guess on the whims of markets. And uh, fortunately, we have been disciplined, and we, we talk about these things monthly. But it's yeah. not like we're dancing in and out of stocks every month. Um, or we're keeping our allocation high and really making changes on the margin, like in fixed income and in real assets. What was that GDP number you shared with me earlier today, Bob? I think it was like an unofficial Q4 number. The Atlanta Fed has a, a stat they call GDP Now, where they look at the, the economic data that they can get their hands on. And it's um, Q4 GDP Now. So it's a kind of like a, a sneak peek 
what they think it's going to come in. I think it was 3.7%. So strong accelerated higher than um, Q3. So it's like, this doesn't add up. How are we having accelerating GDP growth when everyone's saying we're in, in a recession or going into one? So um, definitely some inconsistencies there. Has it, I guess, altered your perception of whether we're you know definitely going to face a recession in 2023? I know you never said the word definitely before, but has it changed your conviction level? It, I, I think, you know, with investing, there's art and science and that the science, I think leading economic indicators is, is um, a point to look. The art, um, I think maybe look a little more um, sentiment and sometimes like if it's too good to be true or if everyone's saying the same thing, you just kind of your gut tells you, wait a minute, like everyone is saying this is going to happen. Maybe it won't. That's definitely it's almost too much of a consensus, too obvious. And the Fed is well aware of this. So there's definitely a good possibility that we don't hit a recession. They, you know, have a soft landing, inflation does slow, and we're off to the races with stocks. So at the end of the day, what really matters is what we're doing as far as decisions for our clients. And we've made some tweaks to the stock allocation across portfolios, but for the most part, our, our view with stocks is stay the course, not, not adding much, not subtracting much. It's more within bonds or more active right now. So, you know, when it comes to the bottom line of how we're acting in face of a potential recession in 2023 with stocks, it's it's stay the course. We like our positioning with value and global. And we think at these levels, investors will be rewarded and volatility is part of investing. Um, so we, we haven't acted. If we, if we said a recession's definitely coming and the stock market's gonna tank, we would cut stock exposure and we're not doing that. Right. And for people who haven't been following along, remind us, what's your favorite cryptocurrency? <laughs> I hate them all. You hate them all. I got it. Oh, they're all equally tied for zero. Uh, Bob, anything else in your mind uh, yeah, as we either recap 2022 or think about this upcoming year uh, for investors? Not much. I mean, I think just a reminder that volatility is part of investing and it's not easy and it's not smooth, um, of course, for investing in stocks. But um, you know, valuations are, are pretty attractive now. Long-term investors will be rewarded. Um, first half 2023 might be bumpy, but that shouldn't be a surprise. That, that that's what you get when you sign up to invest in stocks. And and overall, um, you know, with that historically, it's come very good long-term returns. And valuations are more attractive now than they were a year ago. Yeah, and I, I look at some trailing returns, meaning just looking back over certain time periods, even though we ended 2022. Uh, with a year that was, as you said, was down 20% from stocks. You know, globally, stocks still averaged around 4% a year for the last three years, 5% for the last five, closer to eight for the last 10. So, you know, you can take a snapshot and look at your portfolio from January 4th last year, which I think was the market high through 1231. And say, oh, you know, I'm down if you owned all stocks, so I'm down 20. But the reality is what we always talk about is if you take the lens out further, either longer term in terms of future expected returns or just looking what markets have done historically over the long run, even after a 20 plus percent decline year, you're getting close to 8% in your global stocks. Um, so, you know, you can't always anchor to the absolute high versus the, you know, the current low point that you're facing right now. Yeah, I agree. So you have a, a webinar coming up next week, Bob, where you and the chief investment officer at Fiducian Advisors, Brad Long, We'll be talking about expectations for stock and bond markets in 2023. It's our 2023 market outlook webinar. It's January 10th 
at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can register for that through our Heritage Financial website, heritagefinancial.net. And if you register and still ultimately can't make it, we will send you the recording. So you have, if you have any interest at all, you know, please register for it. You know, make sure you get the recording. But of course, obviously, we'd like to have you join us live. Bob, thanks for a great conversation as always. I think it's really valuable for our listeners to be able to hear from a chief investment officer who's looking at the markets day in and day out, what you're thinking about the economy, portfolios, investing. Uh, I always learn a lot. So thank you very much and um, you know, have a great day. Thanks, Simon. And thank you all for listening. If you're enjoying Wealthy Behavior, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Please send in any questions or feedback to wealthybehavior at heritagefinancial.net. Thank you for listening to Wealthy Behavior. If you found the conversation useful, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and sharing this episode so those around you can live a rich life too. For more insights, subscribe to our weekly blog at heritagefinancial.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Check out my personal finance blog at thebostonadvisor.com. Wealthy Behavior is produced by Kristen Kastner and Michelle Kakadis. This educational podcast is brought to you by Heritage Financial Services, LLC, located in the greater Boston area. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the speaker, are subject to change, and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment or strategy discussed will be successful or will achieve any particular level of results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.